0: Good morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to Bridgewater Vestal. My name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am super excited that you guys are here with us today. We're um, in the middle, or I should say at the end, of a series called I Quit. You saw a little bit of an introduction to it. And really what each of those people were sharing were, were some of the fears and worries that they have. Can we take just a minute? I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand or anything, but can we just be honest with each other? Um, we we have fears, right? Yeah. Can I tell you about about um, some of mine for a minute? I didn't plan to share this. I shared this a couple of weeks ago when I spoke at our Montrose campus, <clears throat> but I'm gonna share it with you because uh, you 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 are the people that I love and that I get to be with every week. Um, about a year ago, my wife and I started something. You guys know this. We, uh, we started packing our house. We, um, we did some crazy things. <clears throat> we sold uh, a business. We packed everything in our house that we'd lived in for eight, 17 years. That's a long time, you know. The only house our our kids had ever lived in, the only neighborhood they ever knew, the only church family they knew, the only city they'd ever known, we packed everything up and we put it in a semi and closed the door. And you know, I I was feeling pretty good throughout the process. I was pretty excited because we knew that God wanted us here and we knew that God had a plan. And so I was pretty excited until I closed that door and something started to creep into my head. You know what started to creep into my head? <laughs> Fear. The, the thought, what if? What if it doesn't go well? What if you guys don't like me? What if what if God doesn't bless? What if we don't grow? What if lives aren't changed? What if financially we struggle? All of these fears started churning in my head. Can, can I just ask you, ever felt any of those? See, week in and week out, I think that one of the things that is a reality of this human experience is that we struggle with fear. Fear. And what we're wrestling with right now is, are there any tools, is there anything that could actually help us quit, break up with, call it whatever you want. No, I'm not going to play another Taylor Swift video, okay? (laughs) Call it whatever you want. Is there some way to break up with our fear? Well, today I want to tell you, about honestly what I think is one of the hardest tools to use, but it's probably the best tool, a tool that could actually change everything. The tool I'm going to tell you about, I believe, is actually something that will change everything. In fact, I'd say this this tool changes everything. Right? You know, usually they're overstating their case, right? You know, they're talking about, I just put mayo on my burger. This changes everything. Okay, great. Uh, good well okay there you go I guess you like mayo (laughs) usually we're talking about things like that right the tool that I'm going to talk to you about today I, I, I honestly believe will change everything but it's difficult now, before we get to that, I want to tell you about something that I've seen in culture that recently people have been saying will change everything. Can I tell you about a, a cool tool? Um, this let me let me show you this. This have any of you heard of ChatGPT? How many raise hands? You've you've heard of? If you're a teenager here, you've probably heard of ChatGPT. If if you're not, I'm sorry, and you're welcome. You're about to learn. Okay, ChatGPT is a new website that is open source AI. When I say AI, I mean artificial intelligence. Some of you, welcome to the 21st century. It's good, you're welcome, okay? Open source AI is a chat device that you can go to this website and you can type in any question or have any conversation or ask it. Frankly, think about this. Children, plug your ears. Parents, plug your parents' ears. You can ask it to write a paper for you. And apparently it does. And so now college professors are having to learn how to deal with chat GPT because it's changing the landscape. It's changing the landscape of how we find information. It's changing the landscape of how we write about things. And rightfully so, in in some way, you could say that this is changing everything about how people are learning too, right? But here's the thing. The passage of scripture that we're going to look at today, it's Psalm 46. If everything in it, if everything that's in it is true, okay, If it's true that God is who he says he is, everything in this passage, if God is who he says he is, that does literally change everything in your battle with fear and in my battle with fear. When we packed up our truck and we put everything in it, if God is who he says he is and he's made it plain that this is what we should do, then that actually should change everything in my battle with fear. I'm not saying it makes fear disappear, I'm saying it gives you a tool to fight back with fear, worry, and anxiety. Whether your fears look like mine, or your fears are about your kids, or your fears are about your future, or your fears are about relationships, or your fears about finances, whatever it is, if God is who he says he is, it will absolutely change everything. And, and I'd say this to, to you even if you're skeptical about God being who he says he is, okay? I, I'd say that, it, that it's still true, and I hope you'll see as we, as we walk through this together. So let me show you Psalm 46, okay? If you have a Bible, you can open up there. If you want to uh, follow along there, you can. Otherwise, you can see up here. And this passage has been becoming very helpful to me in uprooting things. And going, okay, what if, what if, what if? It's been helping me fight back, I hope. It will help you. Look at, look at what it says. Psalm 46 and verse 1 says this. God is our refuge. I think we could actually just stop there and unpack the idea of a refuge. I don't know what you think of with a refuge, But I get this idea of a cabin alongside water where there's nobody else and it's quiet and I can sit and I know I'm safe. I think the the writers of the psalm might have thought of something like a fortress or a, a place that they could escape and be safe from invading armies, essentially what the author is saying is that God is a safe space. He's a refuge. He, he's a protector. He, he is our strength and He is our ever present help in times of trouble. What else? Verse, I'm going to skip ahead. I'm going to skip over a couple of verses. So if you have your Bible, don't look at the next two verses. I'm watching. Verse four. Look at what verse 4 says. It says this, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Now, here's the thing. Uh, most of, of the people uh, of God lived in the nation of Israel at this time. Okay? So, uh, they would have thought of the city of Jerusalem. And, and there's no river in Jerusalem. And here's the problem with that. The problem was that if you don't have water near your city, how are you going to survive? Water was imperative. Here's what the the psalmist is saying. The psalmist is saying that God is the one who provides there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. It's God who provides for his people, the holy place where the most high dwells. Verse 5, look, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. So if a city is being surrounded and it is, it is about to be attacked, God is with her. She will not fall. God will help her. See what it's saying about God? It goes on, and then in verse 6, it says this. It says, nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. Who's in charge? Bad things are happening. Nations are, are warring. All kinds of craziness is happening. Sounds like our lives. Maybe not the war stuff, but craziness happens. Things get in uproar. Things get uncomfortable. Who's in charge? He lifts his voice, the earth melts god is the one who is in charge verse 7 the lord almighty is with us the god of jacob is our fortress here's that refuge idea verse 8 come and see what the lord has done the desolations he's brought on the earth verse 9 he makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth he breaks the bow and he shatters the spear He burns shields with fire. In other words, who stops wars? God. What is this saying? What's going on here? Let me just give you a list of some of the descriptions about God for a minute. Here's what it says. God is a refuge. God is a help in trouble. God is our protection and our provider. He provides water in the middle of the city. He protects the city. He is sovereign. He is over. He is over every single piece of your life, even the bad ones. He is over even the painful ones. God knows what he's doing. He didn't mess up. Even if today doesn't go the way that I want it to go, God will still be God. That is the truth about who he is. He is present. He is with us. He is in control. That's what Psalm 46 says about God. Now, here's the thing. When I am in the middle of my fears and my worries, I begin to think that I need to be in control. I begin to think that I need to fix it. I I begin to think, oh, my word, what am I going to do? Where do I run? I need help. I don't know who's in charge. I I need somebody with me. What in the world do I do? What do I do when I'm fearful about the things going on with my kids? What do I do when I'm fearful about whether or not I will ever find a spouse? What do I do when I'm fearful about how people are going to look at me because of some of the stuff that's gone on in my past? What do I do when I'm struggling and I wonder where the next meal is going to come from? What do I do? Well, Psalm 46 tells us something about who God is. He's a refuge. He's a help. He's a protection. He's a provider. He's our sovereign. He is present. He is in control. Now, I skipped over a couple of verses and I didn't go all the way to the end because it's in those verses, okay? It's in those verses that God gives to us the tool that I think will change everything. It's in these verses that we learn how to stop striving and start applying the tool. Here's the tool. What if the solution to your fear is to stop striving and to start waiting? What if the solution is to stop trying to figure it all out on your own, stop trying to fix it all, and to adopt a posture of literally sitting down and waiting because God is the refuge. God is the strength. God is the present help in time of trouble. God is our fortress. God is present. God is our provider. God is our protector. What if the solution was actually that simple? If it is, it would change everything. Now, here's the problem. Okay, let's let's talk honestly and candidly for a minute, okay? I really love waiting, don't you? Can, Can we be honest with each other? I mean, seriously, how many of you like sitting in the car waiting on your child when they're doing who knows what inside when they should have been in the car 17 minutes ago? Huh? Right? Listen, I... Guys, if you're thinking I'm going to talk about your wives and waiting on them, you are wrong. I am not that dumb. (laughs) Okay? I, I am not. Ladies, you wait on your husbands all the time. Why aren't they home when they said they would be? Right? Okay, come on. That was at least a little funny, you know. You know. We despise waiting. I will go to a fast food restaurant. I don't like fast food. I don't know if you do. If you do, that's fine. I don't. But I have three children, so it is a necessity at times. When I go to a fast food restaurant, I will look and see how many cars are in the drive through If there's more than four, I'm going inside. Why? Because I hate to wait. I don't want to sit in my comfortable, air-conditioned car and wait because I'm impatient. And something tells me, so are you. And something also tells me that one of the reasons that God allows fears, worries, and anxieties in our lives is so that we learn patience and we learn dependence. Maybe your fear is a part of God's plan. Maybe your fear is a part of God breaking down bits and pieces of your heart so that we learn to wait on Him and stop and trust Him. So, let me show you what I think we should do. Here's what we should do. If God is who He says He is, we should wait on Him with our fears. If God is who he says he is, provider, protector, refuge, strength, present strength in, in times of help, if God is every single piece of that, we should adopt a posture of, okay, and, and laugh with me, okay, for a minute, would you plead or laugh at me, whatever, okay? What if we just started to do the, and I'm really bad at this, what if we just did the crisscross applesauce? And we just sit here. And we wait. We wait. Okay, God. I'm not moving. I'm waiting. What would happen? What would happen in your life? What would happen in my life if I could just learn to wait and stop running ahead of God? Well, let me just show you those other verses. I'm going to go back to verse 1, okay? Look at verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. So what? What do we do? Verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear. If God is who he says he is, I do not have to be afraid. Let me just say that again. If God is who he says he is... I do not have to be afraid. Notice I didn't say that I don't struggle with fear. I'm saying I don't have to give in to fear. I do not have to be controlled by fear. I do not have to let my life be run by fear of of guilt from my past or fear about what people think of me or fear about my job or fear about my finances. I do not have to let fear take control. If God is who he says he is, then We will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Verse 3. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. He's just making a big statement. Before I show you what I think we should do in our waiting, can I just show you how big of a statement this is? He's saying, if all the mountains fall... Everything crumbles so much so that it, it, it basically travels downhill until it goes into the sea. And it causes the sea to surge. If that were to happen, we still wouldn't have to fear. Can, can I just show you what that might look like? Take a look at a couple of mountains. You're familiar with this one? You ever heard of K2? This is one of the tallest mountains in the world. Okay. Over 21,000 feet. Insane. It's, It's not as well known as the next one. This is the one that everybody knows and talks about Mount Everest. Although some people think that climbing K2 is significantly more difficult. Can you imagine if these crumbled? Here's the interesting thing. In our modern era, we actually know what it looks like when a mountain crumbles. We know what happens. We have video. Let me just show you a video of Mount St. Helens. Anybody remember? Do you remember Mount St. Helens and, and kind of all of the, the, the uh, eruption and then the, the sliding down of... Let me just show you a video of that and then an avalanche uh, that happened in Afghanistan. Take a, take a look at this. Did anybody start to have anxiety there? <laughs> so now the message is done, okay? You got it. You got it. Man. Do you understand what the psalmist is saying? He's saying if God is who he says he is, even if our worlds crumble like the mountains, even if everything gives way like an avalanche, God is still God. He is your provider. He is your protector. He is your refuge. I'm not saying we always turn to him. I'm saying that is who he is. And what if we could learn to sit crisscross applesauce and listen to him? See, here's how we do it in verse 10. Another, uh, the last two verses of the chapter that I did not give to you so far. He says, God says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. So how, how, how do I quit fear? How do you quit fear? How do we wait? How do we sit and go, okay, God, my fears are real and they could happen and something could, could crumble and the mountains could quake and surge and everything could fall apart and my life could be shattered like that, that, that mountain that we just saw break apart. God, what do I do? He gives us two steps to wait on him. The first is be still. Be still. Wait a minute. You're telling me to not do anything? You're you're, you're telling me sit still, stop trying to figure it out? Well, listen, here's the thing. The reality is you have uh, two circles in your life, you, you, you have circle of responsibility, things that God has already told you you have to do, and then we have a circle of concern, and the reality is we often get more worried about the circles of concern, which God never told us to, that we had to take care of. He said he would take care of that, and we neglect our responsibilities. Sometimes our responsibility is to sit and wait and trust and be still. Be still. I wonder what would happen if you and I could learn to be still. You know, we don't, we don't even have to wonder. The, the scripture tells us. I won't show it to you, but I'll just quote it to you. Isaiah 40, 30, Isaiah 40 verse 31, a, a verse that we teach to children when they're young. It, it, it says so clearly, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall, they shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's what happens when we wait. Going back to my story, I wish I could tell you that every piece of it was really comfortable. But it hasn't been. Not every piece of it has been comfortable. I haven't enjoyed every single piece of it. Do you know that? I haven't. I've I've had things creep up that have made me want to complain. But you know what's happened? Every step of the way, God has done something powerful. God has been doing something powerful here. Do you know that? Do you, do, do you know that, that as of today, 17 people have trusted Christ at this campus in four months? <laughs> Listen, I, I, wish, I wish I could have said this through all the discomfort, but I'm looking at it now and I look back and I go, I, I would trade that any day for people like that coming to Christ. I wonder what God is doing right now in your life where he's asking you to just stop striving and start sitting. Be still. Be still. There's an amazing example of this in the, in the Exodus. The Exodus is kind of the origin story of the nation of Israel. Um, the story started a long time before that with a man named Abraham, and God begins to build up a family and a group of people, and eventually they ended up in, in slavery for 420 years in the nation of Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world. And then eventually God hears their prayers and leads them out and gives them their own land and does incredible, incredible things. But in Exodus 14, God led them to an uncomfortable place. They were already out of Egypt, they were getting away, and God told them to turn back and go and camp on the other side of the Red Sea and they did it. They obeyed but God put them in a vulnerable place and so Pharaoh came after them with his army and he was ready to, to take them back to Egypt. They got scared. They realized here comes the most powerful army of, on planet earth at that time coming after them and they're ready to, to fight with sticks and hoes and shovels and they got scared. And Moses led the people and he said this, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. The Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you except what do you need to do? You only need to be still. I just wonder how many victories I move past in my own striving. I wonder how many things I miss out on because I'm doing my own thing. Here's what I want to ask you to do, church. Stop striving. Start listening. Listen. Listen to God. You know, I remember back to when I was a teenager and my dad would take me aside and he would try to correct or teach me and he would try to tell me something and, and, and you know what I was like? You, well, if you've raised teenagers, you know. But dad, let me tell you, here's the deal. I knew what I was doing. I still know what I'm doing. You don't understand. I wonder how often I am still that very same teenager. The difference is I talk to God that way now. When really, I need to sit down And shut up and listen. Be still. Maybe one of the reasons that we fail to see God working is because we are running ahead of him. And no wonder we are full of anxiety and worry because we're so busy running ahead of God. And we're taking God's God's realm, the realm of my concerns. That's God's realm. I'm taking God's realm on my shoulders. When really all I need to do is the responsibilities that he's given to me. How do I quit fear? I quit fear. And I wait on God by being still. Second. It said, be still and know that I am God. How do we quit fear and wait on God? By growing in knowing God. We talked about who God is the psalm talks all about who God is. It says, He is our refuge and our strength. He is a river. He's the provision. He is the one who is with us. And, and the city will not fall because God is with her. Nation, nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. When God speaks, everything else stops. Whether you acknowledge Him or not, when God speaks, everything else stops. So what do we do? Remember verse 10? He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And what if, just what if, God actually wants to do that in your life? What if you're walking through a dark valley right now that's filled with fears and worries and anxieties so that God can show up and be the hero? The problem is I want to be the hero, and I'm not big enough. What if we learn to wait by being still and knowing him and letting him be him? I like to pull my God cape out of my closet and put it on. I don't have spandex, by the way, just so you know. But I do like to put the cape on. And think I'm pretty good at it, but I'm not. God made me to be a lot better at sitting crisscross applesauce and waiting. So, who is God? Verse 11 The Lord Almighty. He is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That's who He is. Remember the the list I showed you earlier. He is our refuge. He is our help in time of trouble. He is our protection and our provider. He is our sovereign. He's over. That word, don't get confused by that word. He's just over and above and in control of all. He is present. He is absolutely in control. So here's the thing that I need you to know in here today, okay? Because I know there could be a lot of but, but, but. Okay, Aaron, I get it, but you don't understand. Okay, Aaron, I get it, but I've never seen him move in the okay, Aaron, but here's the thing. Here's the truth that you need to remember. Nothing that rises against you in your life can stand before God. Nothing. That's why the psalmist says: even if the mountains quake and crumble, nothing. Nothing can stand before our God. So here's what we have to wrestle with. Sometimes God is using difficulty to teach us. I know this. The New Testament tells me this. Romans eight twenty eight says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and they have been called according to his purpose. In other words, Even if you end up walking through your fears, God is still God and he is doing something good. He is producing something good in you. I cannot tell you that it always feels good, but I can tell you it is good. And even if you're here today and you go, well, I'm not so sure about the whole God thing. I'm not so sure about um, everything that's, That you're talking about, but, well, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that God is interested in you knowing him. And maybe right now he's using some of the struggles in your life so that you would know him. I love what John seventeen records for us. This is this is Jesus himself, or This is um, this is John recording. You know some of the teachings of Jesus, and he says this. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. God's goal is that you would know Him, and the only way we're going to know Him is if we start listening and waiting so what's it going to take what's it going to take for you and I I'm not going to sit down again cuz that that's I'm I'm old <laughs> what's it going to take for us to sit what's it going to take for us to choose even if you're here today and you you say oh I'm a teenager how does this apply to me listen i i, I know you have fears You have fears about what other kids think about you. You have fears about the future. You have fears about all kinds of things, relationships, whatever. So here's what you do, okay? Here's what you do. You pick a time, okay? You just pick a time and place. You take a Bible, paper, and pen, and you start listening, and you don't rush. Sit and wait. The most fruitful times in my life over the last 10 years have been when I have gone to a a, a cabin that some friends of ours owned and I would stay there for two or three days and sit and pray and read. I put my phone away. I put my computer away. I know it's hard to believe, but you can do it. And I sit. What would happen to your fears if you would do that? with me. See, here's the thing. God is who he says he is, so you can wait on him. I want to invite you today to choose to quit giving in. I say quit because we run to our fears. We we play them over and over in our heads. I want to invite you to choose to quit by picking a time and place, grabbing a Bible and pen and paper, and listening. Can you do it? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you love me enough to put up with me, honestly. Thank you that you love me enough to be a refuge even when I'm in rebellion to you. Thank you that you never stop chasing after me thank you that we can come to you with our biggest fears and we can trust you and we can wait I'm not real good at waiting so please continue to work on me and us we pray this in Jesus name amen